They say that change is the only constant in life. In this season of Swim Upstream, we're breaking down specific instances of change in software organizations when both technical and human aspects were involved. And now for part two of our episode with Jason Gauci, Director of Software Engineering at Argo AI and host of the Programming Throwdown podcast. So what was it about the first success that brought on the second one? How, what, what was it in, in the experience that you had with your first champion that got you in the door that you couldn't get into uh, earlier? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think what happened was there's champions all over the company, right? Or if you're a startup, there's champions all over the market, right? But it's hard to raise awareness. They're busy people. They, they, there's a lot of things that they're focusing on. They're balancing between shore winds and risky things. And so we did a really good job of, you know, um, like publicizing um, what's going on with this one team. You know, we had a group um, that was dedicated to, you know, uh, reinforcement learning and these other technologies inside the company. And we were sharing things to this group. Like, look, we had this win. And so there was another team that was um, really like right on Facebook's roadmap, but it was doing a very similar problem to the team that we were helping. And mm -hmm. so there was another champion on that team who saw what was going on and said, oh, you know, like, there's, a, there's an arbitrage opportunity here, <laughs> right? And so okay. that's, that's kind of how it spread, you know. And it sounds like this is not only like Jason which just came here like uh, a few months ago and with this new these new ideas and maybe he doesn't know about Facebook and what's going on here and I don't know if I should go down this road with this person now it's Jason and this team that's been working with him and they've done stuff and they crossed a few hurdles right so so you know it it gives it gives a, a better um you know feeling of trust that uh, This makes sense. I, I should invest a, a, at least a, a little time in this, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, so the second team, it sounds like you, you had your work cut out for you at the second team as well, but you had a starting point. And what, was that enough? A after succeeding with the second one, it, did it click? Did you know, everything go from there because this was on the critical path? Yeah, so what we learned is there's you know a set of problems that, this type of technology is really good for and a sort of problems that it isn't. And so it took years even after that to really figure out, you know, a set of rules to, to, to know that in advance. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in the beginning, even after we had had a few successes, you know, our hit rate was still maybe 50-50 at best. And so what that meant was, you know, there were people, and now, you know, at this point we're a whole team And there were people on the team where they kind of felt like their career was a slot machine. It's like, <laughs> well, I pulled a slot machine, you know, and I got, I got triple bars because I worked with this team and there was a big win. This person next to me pulls the same slot machine and gets nothing. And so as you know, in general, it's extremely challenging to be a, you know, leader in, in a research lab, um, especially one where you're an applied research lab, you know, servicing the rest of the company for this reason, because, you know, the risk profile uh, in the short term, 
you know, is, is not very appetizing. And so especially junior engineers, you're really intimidated by something like that. Um, you know, what I tell folks is, you know, we're all kind of in it for the long haul. And so in the long run, you know, we all have successes, you know, if we work hard. Um, but, uh, but yeah, to your point, you know, in, you know, once we got this sort of flywheel going, it's, it's still, it's still a matter of, we need to try it out and, you know, cross our fingers. And, and over time we built tooling and we built rote understanding of these problems to where we can, um, you know, we can, we can get good signal in advance. It sounds like it doesn't work in all cases, but it sounds like it's it's much more mainstream now um, uh, to work th- that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is that what you expected to happen in the end? Was that surprising? The thing is, so I personally felt like this was the right thing to do. You know, and I personally felt like this was going to work out. It made a lot of sense to me, and it was just a matter of finding the right way to do it. What I didn't know is that it would work out before I got fired. And so <laughs> I remember having this discussion with my family, like, look, you know, um, like I have a personal reputation to maintain here. Like things are not going well. We're 18 months in and I haven't really added value to the company. You know, I don't feel good. Company doesn't feel good. And, you know, maybe, you know, I should just hit the eject button on this, and like start job hunting and stuff like that. You know, I thought about it. What I decided was, you know, I've never quit anything. You know, I mean, I've left things, but I've never quit anything. And I thought, I'm going to open source this. <laughs> so, so if I get fired, uh, I'll have the source code. I can keep working on it and like keep, wow. keep, keep this idea going. And of course, the company is more than happy to let me open source something that didn't work. And, uh, <laughs> and so I open sourced it. I kept working on it and, um, and, and we got it to work. But, but there were definitely times where, you know, I felt like it's the right idea, but it just, it just, for whatever reason, we just aren't going to be able to make it happen. Okay. So first of all, this, this is an amazing story. It, it reminds me of stories I've heard about academia as well, where you have two researchers, uh, both sitting in their labs on a particular subject matter. One ends up with a Nobel prize, right? The other ends up with not a lot to show, uh, but it's also a matter of like chance and luck, right? Um, and but you, if you want the chance to get that Nobel Prize, right, you need the perseverance. Yeah, exactly. And I think that you know you have uh, many, many chances, and so um, um, you know with the grit and the perseverance, you know it's really your expected value um, over all of these chances and that, you know, that you have a lot of control over with the right sort of work ethic and discipline. So knowing like, um, identifying these chances and, and taking the right risks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think I, similar to the podcast where, um, you know, you kind of learn your audience and you kind of adapt and you kind of focus on, so in the podcast we focus on producing really great content and we always try to improve on that and so with this project you know we're focusing on can we improve the developer experience and can we ultimately improve their business metrics and so you know we just kept focusing on that as we went from person to person as we talked to different customers um, inside the company and you know i think you know with enough time i feel like even if the 
core idea hadn't worked out, um, you know, we would have pivoted and we would have ultimately been successful because we were people who were just working super hard at it, really passionate about it. I think broadly speaking, we would have found a way. Um, I'm just really happy that we were able to get the core idea working. Right now, you're working in a very different situation, right? Uh, a startup as, as opposed to a very big uh, company. But if you were speaking with uh, someone like you in, in the situation that you were in, what tips, like takeaways, would you give that person to maybe have? Maybe you'll say, this is going to be very hard, expect that, and there's nothing you can do about it. But maybe you're going to have tips for them to make that road a bit quicker. Are there any? Sure. Um, so yeah, to, to your uh, first point, so I ended up, um, um, so re, you know, Reagent now, which is our reinforcement learning library, you can go to reagent.ai um, and uh, and still, still get the source code, even though it works, they let us continue to sync the source code between Facebook and, and GitHub so you can go and download it. And um, I, I took a, a pretty long, leave of absence when my second son was born. So I took a paternity leave and I took vacation and then Facebook has a sabbatical program. So I took that. And um, when I came back, the org was just as healthy as ever. It was amazing. And so I thought this is a, uh, you know, an opportunity for me to find sort of my, you know, personal next challenge. Um, and so, yeah, I've been at Argo for a few months now and we're spinning up a, like a machine learning center of excellence where we're going to help all the different machine learning efforts across the company and provide a bunch of services and infrastructure for those folks. So that does resonate what you, you know, described in Facebook, right? I, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. I right? Yeah. It's very similar. Um, I think that it's, it's more broad than reinforcement learning, right? There's, um, there's a lot of different, actually, you know, autonomous vehicles touches on almost every different discipline in some way, shape or form, right? I think that if you look at the way things move throughout the world, and if you look at the description or the, the scene, you could treat a lot of that the same way you would treat prose in a book. And so you can use a lot of the transformers and a lot of that technology to kind of capture a certain scene on the machine learning side. And so, yeah, it turns out almost every discipline, obviously computer vision, um, but then obviously, you know, machine uh, control theory and all of that plays, plays a part as well. So, so it's really a culmination of a lot of different things together at one place, which I think is really fascinating. One thing to, that, that I learned over the years is to really have a good sense of pace. Um, so there are times when you might not need to be in the office that much, right? Mm -hmm. Or, and now that I guess that, that metaphor doesn't work. There are times where you don't have to work that much. And then there are times when every single minute counts, right? And so there are times when I would go before COVID, I would go into the office and uh, Facebook has an arcade and I would go to the arcade and I would play games. I would eat some barbecue for, for lunch. You know, I would talk to some people. I would, stop by the web speed team and talk to some friends over there now and make it back to the AI building, you know, and then there were days where I would get into the office at 8am and I would actually leave at 8am. Like I would see the cleaning crew, like the same cleaning crew, like four <laughs> times. And I would actually, I have a standing desk. So I'd stand for 24 hours straight writing code. Oh, um, and, and I think that, you know, 
it's really important. Actually, both of those dimensions, like both of those extremes are equally important. I think if you feel, you know, I guess guilty or you feel like you're not contributing when you're relaxing, then you can't, you know, do that time when you feel that burst of energy, that momentum, that inspiration, you know, you're, you're, um, you're not going to be able to put as much into it there as well. So, so, you know, be confident in yourself, um, um, you know, follow the kind of like your core beliefs, your core philosophy and be confident in them. And then uh, pacing, I think, is, is, is the second most important thing. Sounds like you recruited some important people along the way that helped make this happen. You, you explained about how you found them, but any advice about how to recruit someone to your cause? I think an important thing is to don't be afraid of being kind of outspoken um, and, and really promoting your ideas and promoting yourself. I was really passionate about this idea. And so even though we didn't have any proof it worked, you know, I, was, I created this, this group. And the other thing is similar to what I was saying before, if you're on the real vanguard of something, then there's a ton of opportunity for you to claim a lot of land. I mean, we always, I was actually at um, Fredericksburg, Texas a couple of weeks ago, and it's a place that has an awesome pioneer village where you can see the first people to settle in this area. And so you could get land literally for free. I mean, if you're willing to settle and, uh, and uh, defend yourself against the Native Americans that were constantly like attacking, like that is really what was going on. But you, yeah. know, you would get huge tracts of land for free. And so similarly, when you're really on the vanguard of something, yeah, there wasn't like a reinforcement learning group. There wasn't a big community. And so there was a, uh, a big hole to fill there. So in the beginning, you know, you can really, you know, create a whole market there and you can get, you know, people really excited. And, um, you know, now there's, there's people who join Facebook who go straight into the reinforcement learning group, even though it didn't even exist before. So I they think don't that, know how much struggle there was, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, I have a story along those lines. Um, you know, uh, I met Vince Cerf one time. It just happened. Somebody asked him, why are you so famous? You know, you invented, I, and, and I have to admit, this is way before my time. So I think he invented TCP or HTTP or so, something like that, but, or maybe both. I don't know. But they said, well, you know, HTTP is just this thing. I mean, anyone could have invented it. And then he said, you know, the hard part wasn't just writing the spec for this. It was going crisscrossing over the whole country, getting people to adopt this thing. Right. Wow. And so, that, that's, that really resonates with the story, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I guess, you know, as I said before, being on the vanguard of something, it's a lot like wasting your time, you know, and, and only in hindsight, you say, okay, that was a good idea. The other thing is, you know, there's so many things I worked on that didn't go anywhere. Right. So, yeah, you know, I think, you know, um, that person who got the Nobel prize, even in your analogy, right. The person next to them didn't get the Nobel Prize, but both of them probably did 50, 60 projects and only one Nobel Prize came out of that. And so yeah. um, I actually have a I actually have a blog, threadpool.cc, where I list all of my various projects, most of them failures. Um, and uh, I just kind of uh, you know, um, 
it's a much more casual uh, kind of blog. And I just kind of talk about, okay, here's the steps I went through. You know, I tried to build my own 3D printer. It melted itself, you know, and, and this is what happened. And um, gives people kind of a feel of what it's like to, you know, have a whole bunch of different threads going and 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 being able to, to, to sort of see things fail, see things succeed, but try to learn as much as you can from everything. So I, I think maybe we can sum up by saying that being on the at the Vanguard is can be the absolute best, but also the absolute worst. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And and if you have um a lot of balls in the air, then it's kind of both at the same time. So yeah. at any given time there's uh something on fire and there's something that's you know hitting a home run. Amazing. Uh, and you you also have a podcast as well, right? That's right. Yeah. So we have programming throwdown. So we've been doing that for um oh gosh, maybe like 12 years or so. And um we try to interview, we interviewed uh folks from Swim and and you know we try to interview as many uh people all across the industry as possible and and we'll mix that in with some shows where it's just Patrick, my co-host and I um talking about various topics. But um you know we set that out to um you know ultimately teach people not how to code or how to be a good engineer or these things you can learn online or from books. We wanted people to feel like what it it's like to do that job. You know, I think that there's this misconception, you know, there was this movie that came out, Office Space, came out in I think the 90s. And it's just, you know, you're in this cubicle by yourself. You have this one-way communication from this boss with the big coffee mug, right? Do the TBS yeah, yeah, reports. I, I, I know yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, the reality is being a software engineer is a lot like being an artist. And and I look at these things that we've built, like each of them is their own Sistine Chapel and they're works of art and they're they're beautiful. And so and, you know, you commission an artist and you trust an artist. You, know, you don't tell an artist what to do. And so, you know, I wanted to, you know, share kind of like how that relationship works and how that feels and that creative energy and, and let people know, especially high school and college folks know what that's like. And so we've been, we've been, yeah, doing that ever since. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been amazing to see the podcast grow. Um, for the first few years, it was just, you know, maybe our parents. And so, you know, our moms. And so uh, I honestly couldn't tell you what made it take off. I think we just kept, you know, trying to create better and better content. Um, you know, every piece of feedback we got, we listened to it and we tried to adapt. And over time, it, it grew to what it is today. This was great. Thank you so much uh, for coming on uh, today. That, that's all the time that we have. And um, I, I hope to do this again, uh, either in, in this podcast or on yours. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was, uh, it was really, really fun. And, um, yeah, check out Proving Throwdown and, and yeah, if you, if anyone out there has any questions about, you know, how to go zero to one, I think the word is being an intrapreneur, you know, how to be an entrepreneur inside of a giant, you know, multinational, um, definitely, you know, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I'm neural nets for life on Twitter. So, <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. That's all the time we have for today. To read episode transcripts, check out our past season, suggest an episode, or join our growing community of developers, head to swim.io. That's swim with two M's.io.